What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio, and we have a very, very special new book for the new moon. And it is all about, ta-da! We actually, we already mentioned it, but this is like the official, official... This is the, um, yeah, the official first podcast. Yep, Gemini had a baby. So again, for everybody who was dealing with me on Instagram, thank you. Everybody was so kind when she was out. And I had to step in. But um, so today we're going to have kind of like a twofer. So we, we do have a new book. The book is called Witchy Mama, Magical Traditions, Motherly Insights and Sacred Knowledge by Melanie Marquis. And this book came out in 2016. So another new book. And I believe this was recommended by somebody in the audience. Um, I know somebody asked if we were going to do any family books. And I believe yes. this is one of the ones that was mentioned. And when people ask, you know, and I already knew that the baby was coming. I was like, yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be having stuff like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. without, you know, wanting to give out and say more information. So this is it. So it's a twofer. So not only are we going to talk about the book, but, you know, just like when we did like the one of the books on Hellenismos, you know, it's kind of like this is a Gemini show. So I'm going to be both. Uh, interviewing Gemini on this, but specifically on the book. But then, you know, feel free to jump off and tell us anything else witchy as far as, you know, the baby and preparing for the baby Absolutely. and all that stuff. But, you know, of course, what we want to do is take you guys through the book because we think it's going to be helpful. It was written by Melanie Marquis and Emily Francis. And just a little bit about these women. So Emily Francis is a clinical uh, massage therapist, a pediatric massage therapist. She's written for Today Parents, Fit Pregnancy, and Massage Magazine. So, I mean, I'm not a parent, and I've heard of Today's Parent and Fit Pregnancy. So I think that's really uh, yeah. pretty cool. And Melanie Marquis has, is responsible for the Modern Spellcasters Tarot, author of many books, founder of United Witches, Global Coven, um, and local coordinator of Pagan Pride Project. So basically two top people in their fields, um, from what I can see, have gotten together to write this yeah. book. So, you know, that doesn't mean there aren't other books out there. And, you know, like we always say, if you hear of something else, please let us know. But this is the book that we chose. So just a little bit about them. Um, and got to start with a quote. Got to start with a quote. The intro. This book will help you to be healthy, mindful, and present to the process of motherhood. You know, I think a while back we talked about the whole triple goddess and the and witches and going through maiden mother crone, you know, and how do we even mark those? I think you were talking about it. Like, how do you mark yeah, the beginning I, of this and the end of that? <laughs> um, so Gemini is full mother mode right now. Yeah. So I think that's interesting because I feel like we hear a lot from maidens and we hear a lot from crones, right? But no one actually, or at least if they're mothers, they don't come forth with that right that's not kind of like what you know about them so i think yeah. that's interesting too that we're we're actually going to explore that i think we talk a lot about like creatrix as mother yes and like valuable should keep doing that but we do definitely need a place for like mother as mother yeah i think that's important and you know not to knock um witches who are doing their own thing Right. And don't want to bring yeah. in the mother aspect. I mean, everybody does does whatever they do. We know uh, several witches that are mothers that, you know, they're out there doing their own thing, but they're not really like talking about the mother process. So I think that that's interesting. So definitely now. Um, and if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, my God, 
is this it? No, we're going to talk about other things. But I think that the mother aspect is going to come in because it should come into the spirituality anyway, because these are the different aspects. Absolutely. But no, we're not going on a mother tangent. And that's the end of, you know, which space is not going that way. <laughs> just, you know, just so you know. Chapter one. Let's start. I know you didn't do this, but the first chapter talks about the pomegranate fertility rite. Now, yes, oh as a God. Hellenic, I, f I feel like you would never do this right anyway, because pomegranates are associated with Hades, no? Associated with Persephone. Yeah, um, as a Hellenic, definitely not the vibe. I thought it was very... So part of this is um, I had read this book prior to having the baby, and so I have gone back and sort of reread it now that we're recording it, um, and I, I forgot about this until you brought it up and so now I'm like oh my god yeah I was so stressed out by this when I read it the first time because as a Hellenic I would never suggest to somebody oh yeah eat pomegranates and then you can replicate the marriage of the famously infertile god of the dead that would be great if you want to have a baby <laughs> Yeah, that did, I mean, as somebody who's not Hellenic, but I know the myths, like, Persephone and Hades have no children. Yeah, famously in Right? They, they never had anything. Yeah. So to me, it's like, wow, that's, uh, that's a, it's one way to go. Um, so my question that I had here, not for you, but for them, like, I want to know where they got this idea of that. But then they also had a coconut fertility right. They have the work cited after every chapter. I want to say this because when I was reading the coconut fertility right, the first thing that came to me was, is this appropriation from the Caribbean? Because I could see like somebody <laughs> in my family doing the coconut and beans thing. That's why mm -hmm. I'm like, what? Plus, I, a friend of mine, I remember one time we were in high school, we were talking about like what our parents said because, you know, um, Latina parents didn't believe in the stork. So his parents told him they found him inside of a coconut because he was born in Puerto Rico. And I thought that was the That's cutest cute. thing. They said that his dad was cutting coconuts and he was like, oh, my God. And mom was like, That's our baby. And, you know, as teenagers, we were laughing hysterically. But he said he yeah. thought it was just the sweetest thing. My brother told me that they got me out of the garbage. So, OK, so <laughs> <laughs> we told my sister she was adopted. <laughs> like for years. <laughs> anyway. So whether you did the pomegranate and coconut doesn't matter. But the question is, did you do anything? And I'm not talking about um, scientifically. Before you even thought about let's have a baby, did you and your husband ever decide to do any kind of like spiritual fertility rite? No, we didn't. So my husband is not super spiritual. So we, we tend to keep that pretty separate unless he's had like a cocktail or two and then he wants to read tarot cards. Um, but we also kind of just were like, if it happens, it happens. You know, in, in retrospect, it might've been nice to do something like this. Um, again, not a pomegranate, definitely not a pomegranate. <laughs> but yeah. um, I think these were, I, I remember reading these and being like, this is really sweet and would be something that would be really useful. Um, I loved the discussion of the fertility altar at the end, especially for people who are, like, going through IVF or who are having trouble conceiving. Like, that is such a, I think, really mindful way to go about it and a, and a really useful tool to, like, put 
you know, I, I know there's a lot that goes into IVF, like, you know, you use needles and you're testing every day. So to put that stuff sort of on the altar as a way to spiritually imbue that, I loved. Yeah. But I didn't do anything. <laughs> okay. So now I know that you probably don't want to think about baby number two. Do you think you would do something like this if you were going to do baby number two? If hypothetically another child, see, I don't think so. I, I think that there's a lot in this book that I wish that I had done, and we will talk about that as we go deeper, but I do kind of like kind of leaving it up to chance to be like, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Cause for me, that sort of feels like, all right, well, if the universe gives it to me, then I will take that. Okay. So I'm going to just interject here with something that one of the Scorpios yeah. said to me and she doesn't have kids just like me. And she's not going to have them, just like me. And she said that someone once read for her. And they said, you're, like, when she was much younger, and she, they were like, you're not having kids. She was like, damn, I wasn't even thinking about them, but uh, what? And they said, in your past life, you were very nurturing. You were a mom. You had, I don't remember how many kids, but she had quite a bit. And they were like, and you decided that this life was about you. And it's funny because she said, I never had the desire for kids. So I thought that was really interesting. Like, like she had already come that way. Which, and the other thing is, in my tradition, we're talking about Espiritista, the thing is you have chosen your parents. You've chosen your parents. Mm -hmm. And some people come down here not having anybody, to, like promised anybody anything. So you're not going to have kids. So sometimes people who are like, oh, my God, I, I tried this. I tried that. Something's really wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. You just were not here like the other Scorpio to have That's kids. That's not for you. Yeah. So it's huh. interesting. Yeah. Um, chapter two. Okay. I don't know what chapter two is called, but I wrote your prega. Do you know what the... T it's called you're pregnant. Now what? <laughs> Oh, okay, because I just wrote your prega, and I was like, oh, man, like, why did I write it like that? Um, <laughs> journey into motherhood meditation and ritual. So, question, did you do any protective spells when you found out you were pregnant? You know, in retrospect, that might have been smart. <laughs> no, um, once I found out I was pregnant, I basically stopped doing any and all magic. Part of that was because... I had a very rough, I had a very difficult pregnancy, um, as far as like being able to eat food <laughs> and like keep it in me. Um, so I really didn't do much of anything for the first 20 weeks, <laughs> but, um, no, I really, I really kind of was like, I am not doing any magic because now there is another person and I don't want to involve them in anything that I'm doing. Um, so I like, I used the tools that I already had, you know, any protection workings that I had already done, any protective crystals or talismans. I kept using those, but I didn't do anything new. So about this chapter, you know, the, the advice in this chapter about, you know, the journey into motherhood is some yeah. is magical. Some is just, to me, just common sense stuff that I think that even if you weren't a witch, you would go, oh, yeah, like, I think so. Um, there's a yeah. list of essential oils to avoid which I think is good because a lot of times I don't think we think about 
Yes. Um, I don't know, but you know what I mean. Like, since we don't think about like, oh, like, because you're still you, but it's like, wait a minute. Like, everything is changing in your body. So some mm-hmm. things at this point, even if you used it before, this is not the time. This is the time to do something else. So I thought that that was really good. So you know what? I remember when you told me that you had decided not to do any magic. And I was like, you know, that's really smart when you think about it. Because um, there's another essence with you that may or may not want to do magic and they can't really tell you right now yes i'd love to do this right or no i'm not part of this so um i thought that was really good so but i did have a question not about magic but about meditation did you feel like you did anything i mean i don't want to say witchy but it's like any kind of special meditations being pregnant or did you feel like um no (laughs) because it's one thing to stop doing magic and it's another thing to stop being magical i basically stopped being a person that makes yes no that question makes a ton of sense um one of the things that we had talked about when we were like oh we're gonna get we have to record this episode is i was i saying to you i want to talk about the things i wish i had done versus the things that i actually did because i think there's a lot of stuff in this book at the beginning that i was like i wish i had done this but I really wasn't functional for a lot of my pregnancy. So like... Okay. So do you think anything in chapter two that you would have done? I wish that I had read the list of essential oils, I think, earlier on in my pregnancy. Because I definitely think knowing that like I could have still used lavender to help me get to sleep would have been much more helpful in that you know first period when I was really not feeling well. Um, and I did... I had a lot of, you know... You get anxious when you're pregnant and when you have a baby. I had a lot of anxiety. So I kind of stopped doing a lot of things and this first section when it's like hey you're pregnant here's a lot of this common sense stuff you know what read that when you're first pregnant don't wait until the third trimester to read it because it is actually helpful and it, it would have been nice to be like oh maybe I can continue doing some of the stuff that I I was doing prior to being pregnant um, so I definitely think that like in a hypothetical future pregnancy, I do want to try to be meditating. I do want to try to be um, more conscious and more present. And I do want to be able to still use my essential oils. And also there's a section about massage, which is not surprising because Emily Francis is a massage therapist. I heard that massage is super great for you when you're pregnant and I didn't do it. And that's a thing I want to do next time from chapter two as well. Um, Definitely want to lean into being pampered. Yeah, there are actual specific massages because you can't have any kind of yes. massage. But there's special special massages just for maternity. So yeah, yeah. Um, so chapter three, I, I thought was really good because it talks about pregnancy stretches and breaths, and it has photos. Yes. So I think for people like I'm the kind of person that needs visuals. Um, so I think that this is really good to have. So I guess you didn't do any of these either. Any kind nope. of stretches? Did, did your doctor ever tell you to do any kind? Nothing. Well, okay. So uh, I don't know how much I want to talk about like my medical journey, but um, there were some complications in my pregnancy that I might have been able to avoid had I been stretching more regularly or exercising more regularly from the beginning. Um, but and this this is a good this is a good moment for me to do this. I'm gonna get up on my soapbox for our listeners, especially for anybody who is thinking about getting pregnant or might just be pregnant at this time, um, there's so much information that we don't have prior to being pregnant that you're expected to 
internalize immediately upon being pregnant. And not only are you expected to internalize it, but you're supposed to be super excited about it, even when it's like, hey, you're going to be throwing up for who knows how many weeks straight. Um, I would have liked to be more informed, but it also ended up not mattering. You know, I still ended up with a beautiful baby bat um, who is perfectly healthy. I'm fine. Everybody involved is fine. So as much as there are things that I wish I could do, and, like, these stretches are great, you know, it's it's okay if you don't do them. It's okay if you read the book and you're like, I can't, I don't have the bandwidth for this. Some of the breathing exercises, I think, are probably the most helpful just because they're so low effort. You can just, like, sit and breathe. But some of those stretches are legitimately helpful, and I should have been doing them. <laughs> well, you know, I think that you bring up a good point. You know, there's there's nothing in life that prepares you for something as huge as this. But it is expected that you just know. And how do you cut through... I should be reading this or I should be doing that, which is why I like to ask you or take this book, a different approach to this book and ask you what you thought, because if you thought, okay, chapter three, forget about like, just forget it. It might help somebody to go, you know what? This is not good. Or to hear you say, yeah, if I could, I would have, you know, everything's fine anyway, but this might be a good thing. So it's not a bad idea for people to hear what you think of this book in that regard, because then, you know, somebody who's thinking about, getting pregnant or just found out they were pregnant can go, oh, you know what? It's good to hear somebody who's just been through it talk about it and and see how good this book is. So I think that's really valuable, even if you didn't do this stuff. I I definitely, I mean, and you can do them not pregnant. Like some of these stretches are just good stretches. Um, So I think I will, I am trying to get back into moving my body postpartum. So these are also really useful stretches after that because you're not like running a marathon after you have a baby so chapter four is embracing your inner mama and i know you didn't do any spells but it's but i did want to know did you work with any mother goddess or animal totems or anything like that you know work with not in a spell way but just you know reaching out talking to i did work with a goddess i i hope no one is surprised but i think some people will be surprised uh, when I say that that goddess is Hera. Um, she's not exactly, you know, the motheriest of goddesses that you think of in the Greek pantheon. There was something really important to me about working with a goddess of legacy and working with a goddess of heirs and working with a goddess who is not just about being a mother, but also about ruling a nation. Right. Um, And I I think that that's very much what Hera's position in the hierarchy of Greek gods is versus Demeter, who is more literally fertility based, both having babies and the earth. Hera isn't so much about being super fertile, so much as working with her is about understanding how do you manage your household? How do you rule the space around you? And how does that affect your mothering and your children in that way. And I that felt more right for me. Um, you know, I, I don't... Demeter is still pretty much equally as vicious as Hera when it comes to protecting her child. But there's something... I didn't see myself in the way that I think we talk about women a lot as, like, this fertility goddess... 
um, you know, I'm bringing life into the world. I am a, I'm growing a plant. Like I didn't see myself as a Demeter. I saw myself as a Hera. I am creating this specific life, which is important to this specific, you know, quote unquote nation, which is my little house. Um, you know, my family, but I think it's, I think that this book was really helpful in having like a list of these goddesses because not everybody's going into pregnancy being like, oh, I am a womb and I am bringing life into the world. And like, I wish you guys could see me because I'm doing like a weird like snake dance. Um, and not all of these goddesses are in that vibe. You know, Hawthor is not the same energy as working with Rhea or uh, Lema or any of these other goddesses. So there are a lot of options for who you're working with in what energy you want to bring to yourself as a pregnant person. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be what you expect it to be. See, and I think that's really important that you said that because the list is great, but at the end of the day, it's going to be your connection with the goddess that is going to matter the most and is going to be the most helpful for you in your pregnancy. You don't think of the Morrigan as a mother figure, but yeah. she can be. Right? There is an aspect of her that is. So, you know, I also don't think it's weird if somebody were to say, well, you know, who helped me through childbirth? It was the Morrigan. You know, it's, it's your yeah. connection to deity. So I, I think that's what makes the most sense. Awesome. Um, did you talk to the baby? Kind of. I didn't talk to the baby for a really long time. And part of it was it took me a... Oh, this, is, this is another important thing that we have to say on the podcast. It took me a, a really long time in my pregnancy to really feel connected to the baby as a person. I, I really don't think it was until... My husband and I had picked out a name, which was officially at 37 weeks. So I think it was a little before that because we had had a name and then we told our friends and family. But it, it, it was very late in the pregnancy that I started really considering that this was a person and not just something happening to my body. And at that point, you know, I would talk to them and be like, oh, you know, um, I want to get a video of you moving around, like do some weird stuff. But at no point was I doing sort of that traditional pregnancy stuff of, like, trying to, you know, meditate with the baby or, like, try to really form this strong connection, which, again, turned out fine. I have a great connection with Baby Bat. Um, I think there was a part of me that was upset by it that I didn't feel super connected to the baby, and then you have the baby, and it's like, oh, we're fine. That's fine. It's It didn't matter. Um, so, yeah, I, I really only talked to them towards the end. All right. Anything else you want to say about chapter four? I love the animal totems, obviously, because if you're not working with specific deities, it's great to work with animal spirits. I don't love the use of the word totem. It's a, it's totem. a little antiquated. Yeah. It's a 2016 book. I don't know how good we were about this in 2016, but... You know, just say spirit um, going forward. I like the the discussion of hand placements, too, because sometimes you just put your hand a place and then you can look back and be like, oh, I, that was actually a really spiritual thing that I was doing. And kind of like pretend like you had a little bit more uh, thought process go into that. So if you had a tough pregnancy, 
you can be like, no, 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 me holding my belly or doing X, Y, and Z, that was actually a deeply spiritual thing that I did the whole time. <laughs> Before we talk about chapter five, I do also want to talk about journaling. Um, because I do think that there is this, there's a lot of pressure on moms, like do a pregnancy journal, buy a book. Um, I bought a book. I did a week and a half of the book and then I threw the book on the floor and the floor ate the book. Um, I think it might be under my bed still. So don't, I think the lesson of this episode is just going to be, don't feel like you have to do the stuff that you see everybody else doing. Um, I journal more now to baby because I'm like, oh, well, one day they might want to read this. And, you know, that I think for me is much more meaningful than doing a pregnancy journal, especially if you're having like a hard pregnancy. You don't want to write to your kid like, hey, I'm throwing up today. Hey, you made me, you know, not want to eat a tomato, even though I love tomatoes. Like that's, you don't have to do it, Um, but it can be super fun. So don't feel like you don't do what you want. I think a lot of times with these books, um, as I was reading it and I'm thinking, you know, I've known plenty of people who've had babies and I don't know anybody who was like, I am goddess and I am just going through this. Like there's a lot of, I mean, I have a friend who lost so much Mm -hmm. weight at the beginning of her pregnancy, but she could not keep anything down with her first kid. Like nothing. Like it was scary how much she could not keep down. Right. Um, she basically lived off of Wendy's shakes. For Domino's the beginning pizza. of her pregnancy. Like, yeah. You know, so, yeah, so this whole idea that everybody's having, and I think that's also really bad for people who have kids to to look at, this idea that everybody's having a perfect pregnancy mm-hmm. but me, right? There's something wrong with me. And it's like, now, I think that if you talk to enough people, and again, if you are the first person in your friend group or whatever that's having a kid, then it's going to be even harder because you yeah. have nobody except... Like maybe your, you know, your parents or your grandparents and those pregnancies are going to be totally different as well than yours. So, you know, you can't go have a drink, you know, like my mother could (laughs) because, you know, it it wasn't going to do anything. You could have a cigarette to relax. Like, you know, it's just it's really funny. You you look at some of these pictures and you're like, that's why Gen X is the way Gen X is. Okay, so. So chapter five, it's all about dreams, deciphering dreams, journaling. And did you, I mean, I don't remember if you remember your dreams. I know we've talked about dreams in the past, but did anything change when you were pregnant? Oh my God. Yes. Your dreams become insane. Insane. Um, I dreamed every single day from probably week eight on and they were like, like telenovela level crazy right like just absolutely bonkers shit happening all the time I would wake up and I would be like (gasps) at first I was like oh well I think um I think baby bat's gonna have a bunch of Pisces placements so this must be a Pisces thing and then I realized no 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 this is a symptom of pregnancy pregnant people have crazy dreams and that is totally normal and happens to like a large majority of people who are pregnant And it blew my mind. I am just now, you know, three, four months postpartum, back to, like, normal level of dreaming. Wow. Yeah. So now this chapter, which was all about, like, the pattern of your dreams and um, deciphering your dreams, do you think, I mean, first of all, did you try it? And would you? Do you think it's helpful, the stuff that they talked about in that chapter? I 
I do. Um, I didn't decipher a lot of my dreams just because, again, I had a tough pregnancy. I kind of didn't do anything. Um, but I have always been a big fan of deciphering dreams. And so I think that especially the target audience for this book, I don't think is necessarily established witches so much as I think it is witchy people. This is a really great primer. Chapter five is a really great description of like things that might come up in dreams, how they might be related to your pregnancy, um, why you might want to decipher your dreams. I, I really liked this chapter and especially as a person who has done this before, I love having a quick like glossary. I love being able to go like, oh, I know this book has this. I'm going to check what did this mean in my dream? Um, so I did a little bit of that sort of like if I for a couple of nights, if I had been dreaming about, like, being on a boat, I'd be like, oh, well, what does water mean in this book? Let's just double check. Um, but I do think as an established, like, once you become more of an established witch, you kind of know. You don't always need a glossary, so you can kind of just be like, oh, I woke up and I was dreaming about, like, I don't know, chickens. I probably am going to have heartburn today. You know, you're able to sort of put things together the longer you're in the practice. Nice. Um, and then six was all, chapter six, it's all about preparing for birth. Um, was there anything there? Is there any you think is a good takeaway from that chapter or do you feel like, no? I absolutely think that a pre-birth personal ritual is a really valuable tool. Um, I, I, I don't. I'm actually going to say I think I kind of did. It was, again, significantly less witchy because I wasn't doing magic. Um, but, like, packing your hospital bag can be a really powerful sort of ritualized moment. And I think for me, that was really what it was because I ended up being induced. Um, so I had a scheduled time. You're going to the hospital at this time instead of, you know, oop, my <laughs> my water broke. I got to go. Um so for me, being very intentional about what I was putting in that hospital bag was really helpful to put me in the headspace of like, okay, you're having a child. You're having, like, this is happening. Um, would I necessarily do like a childbirth sachet? Probably not. But I, I think that like birth is such a transformative experience, um, no matter how it happens. So whether you spontaneously go into labor or you get induced, you schedule a C-section, it is so fundamentally transformative, hormonally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, that giving yourself a doorway into that experience, I think helps a lot. Um, so I, I love that they give you like different tools, you know, ways to visualize for um, pain management can be really helpful gods, goddesses, angels that you might want to reach out to. Um, if you read nothing, if you're a pregnant person and you want to read this book, at, at least read chapter six. Um, because I think that that was okay. probably the most helpful thing. Um, if you're having a rough pregnancy or after you give birth, you know, it can be, it's tiring. You don't always have time to do stuff. That moment of getting ready for birth is sort of the the only lull you have in the whole experience oh that's really interesting so now now we know chapter six people yeah that's where you want to be 
so this is going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to this now because now we're getting into because the, the book is in different sections, right? Yes. So it's all about wanting to be pregnant, being pregnant, giving birth, and then baby. So that's another good thing about this book. It's that like you're not just buying a book about being pregnant. You know, there, it, it goes further yes. in before and goes further after. So chapter seven is welcoming baby. Now, this is where it kind of gets a little bit more because we do different things. So this whole idea of you're not going to have a Wiccaning because you're not Wiccan, um, baby blessings and all that stuff. Is that something you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to? Like right now, because I know we didn't talk about it prior to going on the podcast, but is there anything you want to say about welcoming baby in a witchy sense, if you did anything? Well, we, we've kind of talked a little bit, because um, one of the things that we had talked about when I was pregnant was we knew, you know, I'm really into astrology, that I was going to do a birth chart as soon as, like, like, as soon as humanly possible. I think I did it in recovery from my C-section, which is, like, immediately post-surgery. Um and then I took a nap because I was very tired. <laughs> but I I think I thought I was going to do more than I ended up doing because, and I've said this to you a couple of times, every time I look at their birth chart, it's like my brain shuts off. It's like I've forgotten every ounce of astrology that I've ever known. And so it's sort of clear to me that, like, that's not information I'm supposed to have yet. It's not something I'm supposed to work on. So I think that doing sort of an official baby blessing is something that I'm kind of pushing off until a little bit later. I might do it six months or I might do it one year just because the way that I thought that I was going to do it is not the way that I'm going to do it now. So I am much more about uh, sort of being in tune with what they're doing and how they're developing and then going based off that to do, all right, this is what I'm, how I'm going to incorporate this child spiritually you know it's funny because before you had the baby we had talked about which space kind of and, and i always think of sleeping beauty yes with this with the fairies but witches do this where that if you read the chart and you said you know i would like my child to have x right now obviously the experiences you're going to have in this life, you're going to have, but to at least lessen the blow if there's something kind of negative on yeah. there, you know, that they can do a spell. And of course, we all got excited because we're like, oh my God, like, yeah. you know, I was going to get first pick. Um, <laughs> and and then you were like, I can't read their chart. And at first I thought, okay, she doesn't want us to do this. And that's cool. But then it was like, no, I really can't read the chart. And I, was, and I remember I said to you, then you're not meant yeah. to. And that's that's totally fine. So I had to put my wings back. I couldn't do the whole thing. I was very much looking forward to doing that. But um, And, of course, <laughs> now that we're talking about it, what is Chapter 8? Baby astrology. Yeah. Which, a great section to have, again, for, like... I was going to say, do you recommend it? In, in, even though you had the experience that you had where you did the chart, you cannot read it, even though you have read everybody's chart. Um, I know. Do you still recommend this thing? Like Yes, absolutely. You know? So I know... With the very little information that, like, I, you know the big three, right? You can always, even if I, I can't, like, look at all of the, it's so funny, too, because, like, whenever I do readings for people, I'm always like, just give me the circle chart, because, like, you know, sometimes they get the table when they pull it up on the internet, and it's like, I don't want that, I just want the circle chart. But then when I look at Baby Bat's circle chart, I'm, like, you know, dazed and confused. 
But you can always look at the table and be like, okay, well, the rising sign is this, the sun sign is this, the moon sign is this. And even if you're, like, not into astrology, you know what your child's sun sign is. I think... I think astrology is a really powerful tool and I love it a lot. And knowing your child's sun sign at a bare minimum is super, super helpful. And I love that in this book, they also include some stuff that like I wouldn't have thought of, but might be something a parent might want to have. Like for Tauruses, they include their lucky number or animal spirits that might be, you know, related to that. Oh, Yeah, uh, that would be nice. Maybe if I have a Taurus baby, I want to get, like, a stuffed bull or a stuffed um, sparrow for them to kind of bring that energy into their life. Maybe I want, you know, my my child's going to go into sports. Maybe I want their number to be five because that's the number for Mercury, for Gemini. So I think that this section was actually really surprisingly useful to me because I kind of looked at it and was like, oh, I don't need this. And then I read it and I was like, wait, I need this. Okay, so even though it didn't work out the way you wanted to with astrology, you still think this chapter was useful and that you recommend it to at least do that. Yes, and I did. I do want to sort of shout out the authors because they do include um, the quote-unquote animal zodiac, and they are straight up with you like, hey, this is not actually the Native American zodiac that people have called it. Um, this is something that was based on the writings of a Native person but is very much New Age. They also include the Chinese Zodiac, which is based on your birth year. But I liked it. I liked all of the information that they gave us. And even for somebody who's, like, really into astrology, it had, like, tidbits that I wasn't prepared for. That's cool. Um, The other thing I like is that they switch from baby to mom, then kind of, like, back to baby again. Because the next chapters, chapter 9 and chapter 10, 9 is relaxation tools for moms, Mm -hmm. which includes breathing exercises, crystals, um, scents, meditation. Chapter 10 is energizing techniques for mom, which is exercises to stimulate the chi, baths, visualizations, again, back to stones, color, scents. Mm -hmm. And then it's not until we get to chapter 11 that we go into bath time magic with baby's bath. Yes. So... Um, I'm thinking chapter 9 and 10, what if we talk about them kind of together? Like, these are just for you. So the first question is, how much you time, forget the book for a second, how much you time are you actually carving out for yourself? Um, I'm in therapy. (laughs) So that, well, okay, that's, I'm joking, but let's be serious for a minute. Um, Newborn is zero to three months. In those three months probably just assume that you're not getting any you time. Um, I think I, I think I got, let's say five hours total in those three months of like just me by myself. Um, and then it doesn't matter if you're just you by yourself because you're worried about baby. So it's like not really relaxing me time. Um, I posted on Instagram when I was like, I did my first ritual bath and I fucked it up because you're so focused on other things that you're like not paying attention to the correspondences um relaxing can and should be done with baby and first of all if you're feeling overwhelmed if you're feeling stressed if you're feeling anxious um reach out to the people around you go to your support system if you don't have a support system, I do. Like, therapy's been great. Um, 
your hormones are all out of whack. So like, don't expect, don't expect anything. Honestly, you just got to go into it being ready to be a learner and learn about your child. Um, for me, I thought that the energizing section was much more important than the relaxation section because I think everybody really? tries to tell moms like, oh, well, you just need to relax. You know, you need to have some you time. You need to go take a... Okay, listen, what I need is cocaine, <laughs> right? Like I need to be deeply, deeply caffeinated um, and you, like I'm not motivated to clean my house. I'm motivated to take care of my baby and like maybe that translates into, okay, well I'll do their laundry or I'll clean up this space so I know that, but like you lose a lot of that motivation for other stuff because you're so focused on taking care of your kid. So that whole section on like different ways to energize yourself, I was like, heck yeah, because it's, it's something you don't talk about, but like, damn, I was not motivated to do anything. So which techniques helped you? So I love a good breathing technique always. Um, I I was going to demonstrate it, and then I remembered nobody can see me because we don't record in video. Um, there's right at the end of the chapter, end of chapter 10, is like this stimulating the chi thing where you twist side to side, um, which is super freaking easy to do because like, oh, I put the baby down to change their diaper, do some quick side to side twisting. Um and, like, just quick little exercises like that that don't feel like I'm doing exercise. Super, super helpful. Cool. Anything else you want to say about moms? Let's just jump into bath time magic, I guess. Well, bath time magic blew my freaking mind because how did I not think of putting crystals in baby's bath? I mean, you are the crystal person. And I'm the bath bitch. And how did I not go put them both together? Like... Because you can't, you can't do a bath bomb for a baby, right? Like, that's, no, that's dangerous. Yeah. But, wow, so easy. So simple. I, I have so many crystals. You take a bath every day. You, well, you don't. You, once the baby's like four months-ish, I start a little early, then you, you take a bath every day as part of bath time for the bedtime routine. So you put a different crystal in based on what energy you want for bedtime. Like, genius. And how's that going? Um, It's going great. It's mostly going great. There's a lot of things that are complicated about raising a child that are not related to witchcraft. But it's going great. I love it. It's a super easy technique. And for somebody who, like, is into baths, boom, do it. Well, I mean, they go into, you know, scents. Yes. uh, Massages. Different colors you can use. Um, so definitely things to think about. And of course, from bedtime magic, we go to mealtime magic before we get to the magical home, which I feel like, again, we go from like child to like adult again, because obviously the the child can feng shui their nursery. That's, that's yes. be an adult thing. But um, mealtime magic, anything from the book that you felt was super helpful with that? So I like, I actually, for both bedtime magic and mealtime magic, I like that they discuss sort of the child as the child ages. Because Baby Bat is, like, not old enough to have bad dreams or to eat solid foods. But especially, like, at this stage where I'm at, I am in a place where, like, I can read. So having this to be able to come back to and say, oh, well, Baby Bat's coming up on eating solids. What are some ways I can make that a more magical experience? I highlighted, like, which foods I want to try to feed them first 
based on the correspondences that they had listed out. So I liked that the book becomes a resource for not just your pregnancy, not just the beginning of motherhood, but that whole process. Yeah. They take you through a lot here. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a lot for a small book. Now, The Magical Home. I know that you are in the, pro- you've mentioned it before, you're in the process of moving. Yes. So, you know, I don't know how much of this you could actually use right now, but is it something that you have thought about when it comes to setting up how the nursery is going to look in your new, new place? How you want to have certain colors or certain sounds? Um, yeah. So one of the things is, one of the difficult decisions that you have to make as a parent, and it's not like the most difficult, but it is one of the difficult ones, is when does a child stop sleeping in the room with you? Because it's recommended by the American Pediatric APA, yeah, American Pediatric Association, that um, it's at least six months. Um, For some people, that's not going to work, right? For some people, you don't get any sleep, um, you know, you're worried the whole time watching the baby. Sometimes the baby needs to not be in the same room. Um, For me, baby bat is in the same room as us. So I am... I am a little lucky because I get to sort of push off what nursery planning looks like. Um, But it's also a little bit more difficult because then it's how do I set up a room that is functional for myself, my husband, my baby, but that is also comfortable for myself, my husband, and my baby, especially knowing that, like, we're moving into a smaller space than we had. What do I need like literally to survive and then what do I need spiritually to make that a welcoming space um I I enjoy the description of feng shui I think I would probably look into a real feng shui practitioner um they do you know cite some sources and reference some people so I do love that but at that point if you're doing feng shui like just go get a professional or like read a book by a professional um it's a good introduction but it's not necessarily the most thorough. Um, it it gets me excited for, like, when I own a home, what I'm going to make it look like. But it's a lot of, like, hurry up and wait for me right now. Yeah. Yeah, they're still little. Yeah. Oh, before we um, move on, wait. Yeah. I forgot that this was in this chapter. So they talk about, in Chapter 14, The Magical Home, the mom cave. And yeah. when I read that, my brain went, make a personal altar to yourself. Oh, why? Because, again, this motherhood journey, this parenthood journey, but I'm a mother, so motherhood journey is such a big change. Um, and, like, full disclosure, I consider myself an incredibly adaptable person. Like, I'm, I'm big tower energy all the time. Like, I, I thrive on chaos. But the transition from person to somebody's mom has been a roller coaster and a half. Um, and so I like the idea. They talk about it in the book, you know, you need a you need a space for you. Whether that's a room or a closet or something. And my brain went, okay, an altar. Something that you can celebrate yourself, right? And all of the facets of you. 
So if you're a writer, maybe put up a sample of your writing. If you're an artist, put up a painting that you've done. If you are a gamer, like display your favorite games, you know, and you can also include like when your child gets older, maybe put their, I was going to call it a nunny, put their pacifier there when they're not using it anymore. You know, you can still honor the fact that you are a parent, you are a mother, but in a transitional period like that, having a sort of a grounding space to be like, this is who I am as a person. And also reflecting the fact that it can change, right? You can put stuff on and take stuff off and move things and change around the way that it's set up because your identity is majorly shifting at this time. But that's that's okay. I like that. Um, because actually there is a point, point um, in the book where they do talk about, and that is chapter 16 where it's, you know, beautiful mama. But yes. before that is chapter 15, psychic mama. And that I thought was interesting, this whole idea of mom, mom's intuition, um, any parent's intuition. What do you feel? Do you feel like that is accurate? Or do you feel, especially as witches, um, you are already intuitive, so it's the same or it's more? Or what do you think? I, I don't know that it's, that I'm having more intuition. Um, it is absolutely harder to listen to it um so i don't know you know listen if you want to like hey i'm going to try to be psychic now go for it but i you definitely do need to work on your intuition postpartum because it's different like listening to your intuition for yourself is one thing but listening to your intuition for another person can be very difficult especially when that person can't communicate so there are a lot of situations where I'll be like, I think that this is, but I'm going to check with like my mom who is a nurse or I'm going to call the doctor and it turns out I'm right, but you don't want to be wrong and then you <laughs> screw something up. So I do think like practicing intuition, especially immediately postpartum, because you get, you, these are practiced skills. You get better at it at it as time goes on but if you were very intuitive before giving birth you might find that you need to work on it again and like get back into the practice of it before you can feel like you're on the same level okay i think that's really important to know as well because again who's telling you this stuff no one's telling you this stuff you know what i yeah. mean yeah and i think especially for me like i i sort of thrive in being an expert. I'm a little bit of a know-it-all. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> the idea that I had a skill that I was good at, that I am no longer good at, was, like, very frustrating to me. Um, but, like, it's not that you're not good at the skill anymore. You just are learning a new way to use it. Um, and especially, like, birth is a major medical situation. Like, even if you have the easiest, most natural birth, like, you can't just get up and do life the same way that you did immediately afterwards. So you have to let yourself heal. That healing process is going to play into what your intuition is telling you. You know, it might be much easier for you postpartum to know what's up with you because your body's screaming it at you. You now have to learn the signals from another human being because babies are people. They all have their own crazy little personalities and you have to learn all of that. So 
I think that this was really helpful, especially to just be like, hey, here are some reminders of, like, ways you can work on your intuition. Like, very basic skills. Yeah, you might have to do some of that again because your whole, you know, radar is a little bit out of whack. But then we come to Beautiful Mama. Yes. And they talk about beautifying your aura. The first thing, you know what I wrote down on my... (laughs) Even though you don't have them now, I'm like, you got your nails done? Because you did. You sent me the picture when you got your nails back. Yeah. And then you took them off. Again. <laughs> I ripped them right okay. off. Well, my sister, um, for my birthday, was like, I'm going to pay for your nails. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Um, but what I realized is, like, unless I am there getting them filled exactly at the, the, the moment that I need them filled, they immediately become too long and then I can't function. Um. So I was, like, very excited about it. And then I was like, no, we're still not in a place where, like, this works for me. Um, it. I like this chapter. It's not for me. Um, I've never been... Okay, see, I wrote... I wrote weird chapter. <laughs> I wrote weird, weird chapter, like, I don't know. There was something about it that was just kind of like, eh? I think that for some people, after they have a baby... Like, you, you really do, like, live out of, like, sweatpants and, like, high-waisted underpants. And you feel, like, dirty and frumpy. Um, and also, I don't know if anybody knew this, but you smell. Uh, you, you just smell. You smell all the time. Um, your body does this on purpose so that your baby can, like, identify your pheromone setup. And, like, they smell you. Um, but you smell, like, all the time. So I understand, I understood it. Like, I get why this chapter is here. Um, sometimes you want to just remember that you're, like, a person who was attractive to someone else at some point. Um, but I don't care about that. I have always been a hobo, and I will continue to be a hobo, and my husband loves me no matter what. Um, but this is, this is great, you know, for people who like to look good. Yeah, this is a great chapter for you. You know, I think it's because of the profession that we're in. Like, I am a hobo in the summer um, and on the weekends, unless I'm doing something. And I have all these beautiful frocks and I always think about I'm going to do my hair and I'm going to get dressed. And it's like, no, it's like 100 degrees and I'm just, it's I'm, I'm off and I'm a hobo. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, sexy mama... I actually don't want to know about your sex I didn't read this chapter. I Um. will not read this chapter. Um, The idea of sex is disgusting to me right now. When you have a small baby, people like, this is, okay, Mm, we're going to have a moment. We're going to have a moment. Okay. You should not be basing your decision to have sex with your partner on the six-week checkup. Um, If your doctor says, hey, it's six weeks, you're cleared to have sex, you still have to, like... You have to heal physically and emotionally before you should do that. Um, so on the one hand, like, if your partner's being an asshole, just tell them to fuck right off because it's fucked up for somebody to pressure you into having sex after giving birth. Um, but also... Ever. I think that there's... I think a lot of people think that they're supposed to want to have sex after that six weeks mark. It's like, dude, you might not want to have sex for a year. You might not want to have sex for two years. You might want to have sex one day and not want to have sex the other day. And that is totally fine. You produced a human. And you get to do, again, whatever you want. Well, see, I'm going to say that that should be the case for anything. 
when it comes to this. Yes. And I think that's why I found chapter 16 and even chapter 17 a little bit like, mm, like beautiful mama. And then it comes back to sexy mama as though you owe somebody something. I think that people who love to dress up shouldn't feel guilty yes. that they want to dress up and put on nails or put on makeup. Like no one should say, well, you just had a baby. Why are you all dressed up? Because you freaking want to. Yes. And if you don't want to, um, because who are you to tell me anything? And I feel the same way about sexy mama. Like tips, like if you feel like, first of all, no, I don't think anything's wrong with you ever because we all go through different times. Our bodies are constantly changing. Yes. Right? Um, I don't care what gender you are. And, and your body is always changing. And you're going to feel more sexy or more like your libido is going to be up at some times and not at others. So I think this whole idea that you have to be beautiful and you have to be sexy is like you have to be. Exactly. How about that? And you have to be happy with who you are. Now, if you feel like you want to have sex and you know, you're feeling like guilty because, well, should I be having these urges or whatever? Or if you don't have the urges, well, what's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with anybody. So, you know yeah. what I mean? So I think those two kind of make me feel like, okay, maybe it's good if somebody needs help with this. Yeah. You know, as far as realizing that they're okay no matter where they are. But I just kind of feel like, especially when we're talking about, um, just to talk specifically about cisgendered women for a second. Yeah. Right? Um there's all this pressure, right? You should be a certain size. Yes. You should be a certain weight. You should be losing weight. You should never be gaining weight. Um, you should always want to be beautiful. You should always feel sexy, but not too sexy if you're a certain age because then you're too old. Like, I feel like we are constantly being told mm -hmm. how we should look, feel, and whatnot that I kind of feel like right now is like, seriously, no, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just said, you just produced a hu whole human. I got to deal with this now too? Yep. Do you know what I mean? That's the vibe that I got that I was like, okay, those are the only two chapters, and I wanted to know what you thought about it, because I was I'm like... I'm not kidding, though. I, I truly did not read the Sexy Mama chapter. I was like, you know what? I'm okay. not doing this. I'm just skipping that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think women, you know... It, ugh, please. It just done. All women. Done. Um, okay. <laughs> With having to please anybody. Yeah. Um, but if you heard the last podcast you know why we're kind of like <laughs> well, we're, right a, yeah, we're feeling feelings <laughs> it's like yeah we're having feelings right now <laughs> um chapter 18 i was also a little bit like mm, kid magic so before i ask you i just want to say this about myself growing up as we know that you know my family was magical so there was magic in my home um and I'm, I know that they're talking about kids a little bit older. They're not talking about like a brand newborn yes. and, you know, what, what are you going to teach the newborn? Um, but I feel, I feel the most important thing is always to be age appropriate. For example, my grandmother's home. Um, I never saw their altars. My mother never wanted me to see the altars, right? And we're talking about when I was very yeah. little. Well, I could remember this time, but I, you know, like what, four or five. I never saw the altars. However, that didn't mean that the Odishas weren't everywhere. Yeah. You know, so they like to play games with me. They would put candy or they put like a dollar or they would put like little things and they would say something like, um, what does Ochun have today? And I'd go, huh? 
what does he have? What does he have? And I'd go running through the house. So really what they wanted me to know, they wanted me to know the names without telling me. I didn't know that they were an Orisha. I just knew that it was a statue um, of some kind. They all look different. So it was just about me running through the house and like coming back with like a little flower. And I'm like, I got the flower. I got the flower. And they were like, oh, my God, that's so good. That was it. Yeah. That was it when I was that age. Um, so anyway, chapter 18. Did you read chapter 18 of Kid Magic? I want to know what yes, you're about. Yes, yes, I did. Um, it's okay. cute. I think, you know, it's got some fun activities that you could do with your kids, which I think is every parent always is looking for more activities to do with their child. Um, my, my child can't speak, but I'm still looking for activities to do with my child at any given time. I think... I think some of this is sort of playing into, like, crunchy mom territory, which I don't know if anybody um, is, like, on the, on the TikToks watching the crunchy moms or participates in the crunchy mom drama, but I'm really enjoying it because it's so funny. Um, I think that some of this is just, like, life, living life with your kids, touch the trees, go outside. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, I think also that that kind of, kind of solidifies this idea that I think is kind of the theme that we've been talking about this whole episode is that your pregnancy, your birth, your parenthood is yours, right? So if you want to do something with your kid, that can be magical, because you're doing it with your kid. Right? You can imbue magic into all of these different things because you are magic. And if your child wants to be magic, they can be magic and you can be magic together. Um, that being said, will I be making a DIY fairy garden with Baby Bat? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's dangerous shit. <laughs> Um, I think this is the chapter where I would say, you're a witch, you have your own practice. Yeah. I think you are going to figure out what you want your baby to know, how you want them to know it. Again, at four years old, did I have to understand these big ideas? No. My family thought certain things were important for me to know. So I knew them in a very playful way Mm -hmm. that when I look back now, I think is incredibly adorable. You know, I didn't have to know anything else. That wasn't important. That wasn't even for me to know. I was a child. Right. Yeah. So everything was given to me in steps. And if I'm honest, I think there was there was a lot of gaps in between. I really wasn't. I really wasn't reading heavy books or talking about heavy topics Mm -hmm. until I was a teenager. I mean, really, everything was very surface and I had little understanding that I knew something was happening, Mm -hmm. but nobody was and nobody was forcing me into doing things either. Right. Which I think was important for me. So I think for witches listening, you know, you're going to have a gut about your kid and about your spirituality and your practice and you're going to see what you can do at some point your child is going to see you doing something yeah so 
I think that while they're little, I think it's a good time to think about when they see me doing X, yeah. what am I going to say? Because they don't need to know everything, right? A two-year-old, what are you doing? What's that? Three-year-old, you don't have to explain. I mean, they're three. Yeah. But what are you going to say? Right? So that the child goes, okay, because you don't want to brush off a child. Yeah. Right? They have a question. You want to answer it. But what are you going to say? So I think that um, if I was going to write a chapter, <laughs> not having a kid, but if I was going to write a chapter on kid magic, that's what I would do because I feel that for me personally, as somebody who grew up like that, I had a curiosity. I had a wonder. I didn't feel forced like people who are forced to go to church. I didn't feel forced to go participate in anything. Yeah. But I was learning little bits so that when I became older and someone mentioned something, I'd go, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Right? Like, and then they'd go, well, yes, but did you also know? And then at that point, I'm old enough to understand and then make a decision for myself, yeah. you know, about what I wanted to do. So that that would be my, my two cents. Um, and then we have, before we get to the resources, Powerful Mama. Yes. What did you think of Powerful Mama? So I like it. Here's the thing that I have realized in my brief but continuing motherhood journey um, and I realize this as I like participate in things with other moms there is so much weight on moms the weight of expectation the weight of their own desires the weight of the person that they were before they had a kid the weight of the kid the weight they gained growing the kid. Um, it's just a lot of weight. And so many of us, and and dads and people of other terms that I don't know, this is actually a question that I'd like to ask the audience. What do you call yourself if you're, like, non-binary? A parent? Yeah, but, like, do the do your kids call you parent? Right? Like, what's the, oh, what's the parent what name? What call you? Um, I'm just nosy. Right. I just want to know. Um, but anybody in a parenting role, it's it's a lot, you know, and it's 2022 and people are like, did you know that dads can experience postpartum depression? Like, yeah, anybody who is transitioning can experience a depression caused by that transition. And so I like any anything that tells a person you need to do what makes you feel good and you need to find ways to feel powerful and to meet your goals and to be a human being separate of the other human beings that you are caring for. Am I going to do any of the spells or rituals for an empowered mama? Probably not. Um, I'm a witch. I have my own practice. I think a lot of the stuff, like we said, is kind of like intro level stuff. Um... But, yeah, you need to be empowered. You need to feel capable. And it's hard to do that a lot of the time because you got to do everything else. So I think, yeah, and I like that it was sort of the last chapter of the book to be like, feel powerful. You're allowed and it's important and you should do it. So as somebody who has read the book and had a baby, do you recommend the book to people? I do. I liked it. I liked my journey with it. Um, because when I was pregnant, I was like, I'm going to read this for the podcast. And like, that's it. 
I was having a rough pregnancy. I wasn't in it. Um, and then I read it again and I've been reading bits and pieces of it sort of over and over. And that I think has been more helpful. Um, I think a lot of times when, especially when you're pregnant, like people throw books at you and it's like, oh, read this, read this, read this. And it's like, I don't have time to read all that shit. Um, so I don't recommend this book in the sense that I think you, a pregnant person listening to the podcast, needs to pick up this book and read it in its entirety. I think this book is really useful for pregnant people because you can read the first bit and you put it down. You can read another bit, you put it down. You can read a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, and I think that is much more useful for a mama than, you know, here's a 400-page book that you need to read right now. I like it because it wasn't specific to one tradition. Yeah. So that it's open to a lot of people. And even if it's called Witchy Mama, I don't think that you have to be, you know, gender binary to to get something out of this book. If you are somebody who is birthing, I think that yeah. everything's this is for everybody. So I don't think that it's excluding anybody. I enjoyed reading it because I was curious to see what people do. I know there were no books when my mother gave birth to me. So, you know, it was just curious to see, like, what are they saying? Yeah. You know, like, what? And I think just talking to you when you were pregnant, when you, like I said, the, the big thing that stuck out to me when you were like, I'm not doing any magic. And it's like, wow, it's not even something that I even think that you would or would not do. Yeah. So it's it's other things that as witches, people who are going to give birth need to like really think about like, what are some of the things in my practice that, you know, I want to continue? What are some things that I just think, yeah, no, not now. I will say this, anybody listening out there and think you want to mess with Gemini or with me. She has come out of this pregnancy hexing like, like a you rabid know the photographs dog. that I get. <laughs> You do not know the photographs I get of the things that she does. And I'm just like, and I just think it's adorable. I just think it's, I'm like, wow, okay. Like you were not this bad before, but yeah, you've come back um, very happy. But when it comes to hexing, very, very positive and very happy about hexing. You know what it is? It's all happiness. I'm at the point now where it's like, I don't give a fuck, right? Like if you're going to cross a boundary, you're going to have a consequence, right? I'm no longer in a space where I am going to be patient with people. Like, I have to use all of my patience for my child and for my job. There is none left for anybody else. Um, And so if you are listening to this and you are not a pregnant person, but you maybe have a pregnant person in your life, you need to do something for them to increase their level of patience, right? Um, Buy them lunch. Do a load of laundry. um, Do not ask to hold the baby, right? Like, just... Because the thing that you need to worry about with a pregnant person is not, um, you know, oh, are they going to, you know, are they going to cry or like, oh, are they going to be fresh? They'll kill you. We'll, we'll kill you. Like we're, we're postpartum rage is a thing. Um, and if you don't want to deal with it, you need to do something nice for the pregnant people in your life and the, the mothers and pe- parenting people in your life because shit's hard out there. Um, and uh, you need to make it slightly easier. <laughs> So what I get out of this is that I think that Gemini is funnier now in a good way. I mean, and I, and I also text her at one point, like, you're a little scary. You're scaring me. Yeah. Like, I'm good. a little scared like by that. her, but I like that. I, I kind of, the first time in our relationship where I'm like, I'm a little scared of her, but, um, but that's okay because I'll deal with the scary Gemini 
because the baby bed is worth it. They are absolutely perfect. Yeah, they're pretty great. <laughs> Love that kid. Can't wait for you to move closer. Because... You and me both. Yeah. I just can't wait to see them exploring the world. Like, do they like butterflies or do they like rocks or do they like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like every kid, like I can't wait to see, like, what do they like, you know? Yeah. So that's going to be fun to see. And we will be coming back. I think we talked about this yes. um, at least once a year. We're gonna, we'll do a, a baby bat update, a, a parenting update. And, you know, if you are pregnant, if you just had a baby or if you are a witch mom, you know, let us know what you thought of this episode. I mean, anybody can let us know. But I'm just saying, you know, what was helpful? Yeah. What did you like? What would you like to hear in the future, you know, when it comes to parenting? Again, you know, it's kind of hard to delve into the books. There aren't that many. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're trying to keep it. Yeah. And we're trying to keep it pretty open. I, I don't you know, I wasn't going to have Gemini reading a, a Wiccan book because she's not Wiccan. So, you know, what is she going to get out of that? I mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's got to be kind of general because we want to include everybody, no matter what tradition you're in, you could get something from this book. And that's what that's why we yeah, we liked absolutely. it. So we're going to try to keep anything that we do like this more open. But, you know, maybe if there's one particular tradition that's, you know, really a really amazing book or a good source, maybe we do that and we see, you know, from different perspectives yeah. what people can get from it. And I think a nice little um, table talk yes. in the future. So we can get other witchy moms because, and I can just play moderator. I I'm, I do have a title though. I am the goth mother. So my one of my duties is to make sure that this child listens to more than just country music. So wow, just to. fully exposing me on the. Listen, I also listen I, to stuff <laughs> other than country music. I just was I explained to Scorpio like I'm trying to find music that's like appropriate. So it's not even modern country it's music. It's like. Country music from the 80s and 90s that's all about, like, I live in a small town and I love my wife and it's hard out here, but we support each other yeah. and not, like, Florida Georgia Line. <laughs> yeah, but that's why I, like, I love songs like Madness, Our House, in the middle of our street. Yeah. And it's just about, like, this guy talking about his mom and yes. his siblings and it's just cute. Or, like, Desmond Decker, some people say he's the father of ska doing a whole song that all it is is nursery rhymes literally it is Humpty Dumpty and the old lady who lived in a shoe yeah. like that's all the song is so um so that's been my job I've been trying to stick some 80s songs thinking you know what little kids don't really know what's happening because some of these songs they don't yeah. you know they're not like vulgar so some of the things are like eh, let's stick some karma chameleon in there because you know so um yeah so that's 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 my job so we'll see do I want the child to be God I mean, no, not necessarily, but... I love that you, you know, preempted happens, the audience question there. You're like, they're going to want to know, and I'm going to tell know, they're them, gonna do, they want, do I want the child to be God? I mean, I, listen, Gemini already knows this. The minute they start to walk, they're getting a pair of baby docks. Because that's what you do, you know? A pair of baby docks. That'll be adorable. So this is going to be a lot of fun. For us, I don't know if anybody else is finding this fun, but we're having fun. I'm glad we did this. Yes, you I'm and glad that people actually know. People know what was happening. I know we kind of mentioned it briefly, but we're glad that people know now, you know, what was happening. And um, and that's that. We're back. We're back to recording. Because we also Regularly, mentioned we had. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, I missed. At first it was like, woo, don't have to record. And the episodes were just coming out. Now I'm like. I miss this. Yeah. So this is nice. Although, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm, like, looking at the clock, like, oh, it's been, like, an hour and a half 
since I've seen my baby. You're going to be okay. Oh, I know, but you know, it's podcast. The, the podcast yeah. has to come out. It's got to come out. So, well, I think this is going to help you because you're going back to work. I know, which is a whole nother conversation that we could have at a later point in time. Yeah. 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 See how you're adjusting. You guys are going to get a bunch of content from us, uh, not in an overwhelming way, but just in a prolonged sort of for the rest of the podcast way, because um, I'm going to be a mom for the rest of my life. So you're going to hear about it. <laughs> and we talk about all our stuff in our lives. Yeah. So it shouldn't be surprising or weird or anything like that. You're going to be hearing more stuff. And I, I think actually, I think it's great because... We don't have a lot of witches that actually talk about it. Yeah. And I think that it's an important thing to talk about because witches are having kids. So yeah. why not talk about it, you know, in an appropriate way, right? We're not going to have the baby on the podcast <laughs> or anything like that. But they don't have Stick much around to say after yet. the outro music to hear the babbling of my child. <laughs> <laughs> but when they can talk. That's when it'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll unpack that when we get there. And in case you're wondering, yes, there is a list of things that I cannot do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Actually, it's just one thing. Can't buy what? What can no I not buy stuff. for the baby? No, no taxidermy, bones. no bones, none of that. So if they ever ask for it, because eventually they're going to see my stuff, um, I can keep it in my home until I guess what? They go to college and then they can have it? It just can't, it can't be in my house. That's the, that's the rule. It can't be in my house. I just want you to know, Gemini was like, was it the first time? Was it the day you told me that you were pregnant? Maybe. No. I think it came when we went to one of the marketplaces. Yes. And I was buying and were, something. And that's when she said. Was it Bartholomew? Yeah. When I bought Bartholomew. Yeah. yeah. That's when she told me. She was like, no bones. And I was like, what? I wasn't even thinking. I was. It. And Yeah. So I'm sure as time goes on, she'll think of something else and she'll oh, like, yeah. bring it on me. It'll be a but. nice like scroll with like real calligraphy writing of all the rules you're not allowed to do. Oh no, I'll carve right. it into rocks. It'll be the Ten Commandments. Lord. Oh wow, I love it. I gotta learn rock carving. You can carve whatever you want. Once that child starts to speak, if they say, hey, do you think we can? My answer is going to be, oh, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yeah, so what Scorpio is saying is that uh, she will never be alone with my child. <laughs> yes, I will. Yes, I will. And they're going to have a great time. And if you'd like to hear more about Scorpio's antics trying to make my child a goth child um, and give them bones, <laughs> keep listening to no, our podcast. whatever they want. And if you want to keep listening to all of this and hearing about you know my motherhood journey and how that affects my witchcraft keep listening to the podcast because you will be getting updates uh yearly but maybe more um thank you of course to conwin moore for our intro and outro music thank you to you guys for making this podcast possible for being amazing listeners and for reaching out and suggesting books to us that lead to podcasts like this and remember if you're following the moon you're following us 